some extroverts out there were trying to brainstorm some ways to help them stay home. March 27th. We've decided that now that Ontario has changed the way they're doing their testing, which means that there's even less testing happening in the community if, if you show up with symptoms to one of their testing centers, chances are you're not going to get tested. The numbers that we were reading off at the start of this uh, of each uh, discussion didn't uh, are kind of not the focus anymore, I think. So we're going to stop reading those. What is better for tracking, what feels like it'd be more useful for tracking, are the numbers of people in hospital, which we consistently get from the city of Toronto when they do their updates, sometimes from Ontario's updates as well. Um, and what we always get is the number of deaths that are happening in Canada, Ontario, and Toronto. So we'll, we'll do those things um, consistently at the start of these discussions. So Canada had 55 deaths as of today. Ontario had 18. Toronto still only has four. There are 60 people in hospital in Ontario, 29 people in hospital in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And to make the point about how testing is important and is very, uh, depends a lot on just how someone is doing a test. Um, if you look at Germany, you'll see them up near the top of countries with high case numbers. They have 50,000 cases right now, mm. um, which puts them up there with Spain which has 65,000 and France, which has 33,000, but they're doing a lot of testing. They're testing at South Korea levels or maybe more than South Korea levels now. And so a lot of those cases are mild and you can see by the number of deaths they've had um, that that high case number is due to wide, broad testing. Yeah. And not actually as many cases as other countries. So Germany has about a tenth the number of deaths as other countries reporting similar values. So right now with 50,000 cases, Germany has 351 deaths compared with Spain's 65,000 reported cases, but they have about 5,000 deaths. And you have to be careful when people, whenever you have a metric and it's it's like people are looking so closely at this around the world everyone's like judging the performance of our healthcare system on this case metric weird things can happen when the metric becomes the thing that people mm -hmm. are facing everything yeah on. especially when it's not accurate yeah so um numbers have been thrown around lately saying that real cases are about 10 to 100 times that of reported cases in a lot of countries and Germany's numbers would support that estimate. Another interesting testing anomaly is comparing Quebec and Ontario. So Quebec is reporting both confirmed cases with a test and um, kind of diagnosed cases without a test. Um, so Quebec has reported about twice the cases of Ontario, I think, but both provinces have 18 deaths. Um, and so as we wouldn't have any 
great reason to suspect that Quebec and Ontario have a very different um, case fatality rates at this point. Um, we would assume that they should have closer case numbers as well. So Quebec doesn't have a testing backlog. It seems to be catching more cases. So I would assume that Ontario's real case numbers are closer to Quebec's than mm -hmm. our reported numbers. Right. Today in headlines, the news I woke up to was that Boris Johnson has tested positive for coronavirus. And that news was circulating with a video of him from a while back where he was giving a speech and bragging about how he had gone to a hospital with two COVID-19 patients and he went around shaking everybody's <laughs> hands. I don't know what the point of that story was, but anyways, nobody, I guess, was surprised that he got it. Um, the big news in Canada was that Canada announced that it's subsidizing wages for small and medium enterprises, so it's going to be covering 75% of payroll for wages. Is that the same thing? I'm not a business person. For <laughs> small and medium enterprises. I think so, yeah. Um, Teresa Tamza today, she put out a tweet and gave some essential statistics for Canadian cases. So, so far, 6.1% of all cases have required hospitalization. 2.6% of all cases are critically ill and need ICU care, and 1% of cases have been fatal. And those numbers are pretty in line with what's being reported around the world. Hmm. In sad news today, Globe and Mail did a piece where they dug into nursing homes with one or more cases of COVID-19 and hmm. found that at least 16 Ontario nursing homes have one or more cases. Oh my God. And in Toronto, we know that three of them have outbreaks. That's so many. Why? That's so many. Why is, like, is it just that the viral load required to infect someone or to for the disease to attack you is less for an older person? Is that? Yes. Is that what it is? It is that. Uh, well, I assume it's that. Actually, I was going to talk about a paper later where uh. they have found that it is easier. The older you are, the easy it, easier it is to become infected. So a lot more people are probably coming into contact with it than we think even. And it's like... Yeah. And younger people just aren't infected at as high rates. Wow. That's scary. <coughs> Um, and the last headline is there's a lot of talk about price gouging and a high-end grocery store in Toronto, Pusateri's, was selling Lysol wipes at $30 a container and got attention from their premier and a lot of attention in the media. Mm -hmm. And I think the province is working on legislation to make that illegal. Yeah. In connection to that, we finally, we've been kind of a little worried about our stock of alcohol gel. And so I've been kind of keeping an eye out to see where there might be, you know, I was kind of hoping that there was going to be this initial rush of everyone buying stuff and then stores would then fill up restock. again eventually, restock. Mm. But I don't see it happening. Like I've been checking all our regular places and... 
Yeah, not with hand sanitizer. The hand sanitizer still seems. It to happened be with frozen fruit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it came back. And like most grocery store things are seeming to come back now. Yeah. But yeah, things like so. So, anyways, I've been like digging deeper into like rack kind of brainstorming like what places could you find hand sanitizer and so i i thought of uh, a a specialty medical place starkman's in toronto where they have hand sanitizer it's this weird hand sanitizer so i had to look at it online and it looked like i mean it looked green which was funny funny to start with but i didn't think it was going to be that different than what we use now but it's like a thinner like more watery kind of thing yeah it's not a nice gel but anyways i went to go pick it up but the store is closed so i mean technically the store i mean they there's people working there and they will their online ordering is is not working either but you if you call them they will prepare your order and you have to come pick it up and it just felt like this really weird process to have to go pick up stuff and you can't go to the front door you go to the side door and the woman who came out, like, came down the hallway and kind of cracked the door open an inch. And, like, it's busy. This is on Starkman's at the um, kind of a big, on a major street on Bathurst. And there's trucks going up and down this this place. And it's hard to hear what she's saying. And they sort of were yelling at each other through the door. And there's this, they placed a table in front of the door so that people can't get too close to the door. And it was just this really awkward exchange, I thought. And she was the person that was at the door was fully covered in like a plastic suit and goggles and mask and everything. And she cracked the door half an inch and yelled at me. What was my last (laughs) name? And I had to yell back and tell her what my order was. And it took it just seemed very complicated for what we were doing. And she finally went back in and grabbed a bag of stuff and opened the door two inches and slid it out. (laughs) And like positioned her hand on the bag so that like her hand was like inside the door, but the bag was like hanging out. So I couldn't come anywhere near her hand when I grabbed it. It was, it it felt like a little bit of an overreaction, but I mean, if I was dealing with the public, I'm sure I would be acting like that too. Yeah, I'm sure. But I want to go back now and buy something else so I can like record. Just, I feel like (laughs) that experience was like, uh, it was surreal to see that happening and I want to record that. COVID-19 life. I have been trying to record those little vignettes of life. Like I took pictures Uh the other day of the yellow tape around the playground. Yes. I took a screen cap. Oh, we got those emergency alerts today in Ontario saying that all travelers have to stay home. Oh, yeah. I took a screenshot of my phone for the alarm alert that said civil emergency. Yeah. It's actually surprising they didn't things. do that sooner, come to think of it. I wonder if no one has thought Probably of it. Probably no one thought of it. But, yeah. It would. Because how do you get that message? Like, I think they've been going through the media, but there's just some people who, d- like, don't watch the news or listen to what's going on in this mm-hmm. stand, you know. Yeah. Well, now, now everyone with a cell phone has Everyone was <laughs> alerted. Yeah. Yeah. That was a very bad impression. <laughs> Social distancing. Does it work? Are we doing enough? So Ontario. Okay. Let's start with the good news from BC. Hmm. So BC said today that they have 
a little flattening of the curve that is hopeful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if I see it. Hmm. It's barely a flattening of the curve, but sure, I'll give it to them. Um, but the thing about Ontario is that we have this 11,000 case test backlog. Mm -hmm. Is it 11,000 now? I think that's the number I saw today. Hmm. And so we too could argue that we had a slightly lower cases confirmed today than yesterday. Mm. But with 11,000 cases in the backlog, A, you can't trust any data you have, mm -hmm. and B, the test takes so long to come out that even though we started our social distancing efforts before BC did by a couple days, mm -hmm. they could, in theory, see their the fruits of their efforts before we yes. do because we have an 11,000 yes. test case backlog. So that's a bit frustrating. That reminds me, though. Did... did did you see the headline about the Ontario government making a deal with some private company about tests that can be done quicker? Did you see that? No. Something about, there's like, yeah, there's some technology that some private companies come up with that I think it was sort of a leaked thing, but it sounds like the government's in discussion with this company to buy like a million tests or some really... Was it the Abbott test? I don't know. Today... Just tonight, breaking news. Yes. Abbott was approved, I assume, by the FDA to do, to make um, tests that apparently can be, you can get a positive result in five minutes. Yeah, it sounds like something like that. a negative result in 13 minutes. And yeah. they're going to start making them like next week. But I thought it was an Ontario-based company. But that sounds like... I mean, it could be an Ontario... Like, I'm sure there are... Hundreds of companies working on different kinds of COVID-19 tests. Yeah. Hundreds might be an overstatement. See here. Faster COVID-19 test coming. That was, that was three days ago. Oh, that was three days ago. Oh, that's not Abbott. Uh, Abbott's test. But anyways, yes. Co faster COVID-19 testing will absolutely come. But yeah. it is not here right now. Uh-huh. Okay. It is not here to show us. No. If the social distancing we started on March 15th <laughs> is working yet. Yeah. But we should, even with a backlog, hopefully we start to see that payoff soon. Yes. Um, Italy is still waiting for their payoff. So I said yesterday that cases, their social distancing seems to be paying off for their cases. And over the last few days, those have been coming down. They seem to have peaked March Yes. 21st. Yeah. But their deaths have not peaked yet. Yeah. So let me check my calendar. So March 21st was not yet a week ago. Um, and their social, d their big social distancing in the north started March 7th. And it takes about 20 days or about three weeks for somebody to die of COVID-19 after they've been infected. Mm. And so we're just getting to the point, say tomorrow, where you're going to start seeing their social distancing reflected in their deaths. Yes. Which means that 
today we would still expect it to be going up and that's what they saw they saw their highest deaths reported in one day today 919 cases and i asked our friend patrick to pull me the regional data again which he did and because i wanted to see if lombardy was part of this and yes they had they didn't have their highest death count yesterday but it was almost tied for their highest Hmm. they reported 541 deaths i think their highest was 546 so they're accounting for over half of that death total right um yeah so it i think it should start coming down now in the next couple days but man that is just a long time to wait yes for it to pay off that three weeks has been years yes yeah so uh, sorry i couldn't find the other thing i'll find it i'll see if i can dig it up for tomorrow mm-hmm. the um there's a couple of articles on on the and we've talked about this before about how poor people and people from the working class are probably going to have a bigger impact of of COVID-19, bigger negative impacts of this whole thing on them because they tend to work public-facing jobs and can't really work from home in many cases, like they're not computer-based jobs. Um, Or just have more precarious work that went away. Or more precarious work that went away, yeah. And I think both of the articles that I came across are both of them are in the CBC, are, are by CBC, but they're they're talking about workers in the U.S. for the most part, where this is going. I mean, the bigger they're they're having a bigger challenge with it to begin with. Um, but the things that jumped out are that you know people that don't. So here are some of the, a couple of the quotes. So one of the people that were that was interviewed, uh, this is a former preschool teacher, um, says, her name's Amy Jo Hutchison, uh, we don't go to the doctor unless we're dying because we can't afford to go to the doctor. Those, you know, those are the types of things that there is a reality for a large proportion of the population in the U.S. if they don't have a job with, with good insurance. And, I mean, I just... I mean, not to mention now that all all of a sudden a whole bunch of people are going to suddenly become unemployed, like people that did have health coverage now aren't going to have health coverage. And there was another, uh, the other article was talking about a woman who uh, is dealing with some, it's on kind of the tail end of cancer treatment. I think she's successfully getting through getting treated, but then got COVID-19 and has a $35,000 bill to pay because she wasn't working because of her cancer treatment in the U.S. And, like, there's just going to be so many stories like this where people are in between jobs for various reasons or things like that. And it's uh Yeah, I mean, the push for some kind of universal basic income or crisis basic income in the States is getting louder and louder and louder. But I nothing mean, seems to be happening. So I was going to say that, well, yeah, I mean, there's both on both sides. So income and healthcare. I feel like, I feel like there's, should be this 
massive uprising in people who now suddenly get why healthcare needs to be universal, mm-hmm. like a fundamental right, like Bernie Sanders has been saying. I mean, there's, I think the whole U.S. political thing, like it, it just is. Who knows what's going to happen now? All of a sudden, it's well, have like you seen the data recently that has shown that now your your assessment of the COVID nineteen situation and whether you see it as serious a serious threat or not a serious threat is yeah. is now a political issue. Democrats see right. it as a serious threat, and Republicans yeah. don't. Yeah, I mean, it's only a matter of time, I guess, before that will shift. But, yeah, it's fascinating. But, I mean, it seems like... So, Trump is getting, like, a a jump in the polls, right? Like, he's his favorability has been going up, but people are saying that's only temporary. It's bound to go down once the reality of all this hits the... Yeah. Hits people. But, like, I mean, people Bernie still don't think they're in trouble. Like, yeah, some I keep reading about governments, like state governments, reversing closures that municipal governments have put in place. Really? So, like, in uh, where was I reading? I think it was Mississippi. Really? Like, the city government or regional government like closed a bunch of stuff, and the government like reversed. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh yeah, my god. it's awful. That's that's not going to end well. But the I mean the interesting what I feel like like it feels like there's almost a perfect storm of things that could push that as devastating as the fallout of all this would be could put suddenly catapult the U.S. into a much better situation in the long run. You know, with someone like Bernie Sanders as a as the next potential president and an election happening within months right it just feels like i don't know i mean i mean that's one way it could go it could go a different way too i'm not gonna pretend that no it's just i was just thinking that how it I know how everything seems to be lining up to things where it's like anyone who doesn't it, it's gonna be very difficult for people to argue that Everybody not having health care in the U.S. is... Actually, it won't be difficult for them to argue that at all. Really? Because people just make up whatever facts they want. Yeah. It's a hard argument to make at any time. Yeah. But the fact that there's going to be people who are not going to the doctor because it costs too much, like they're not... That's always true. But then you get sick because the it spreads because I of know. That. No, no, I, I mean, know. I'm on your side here. <laughs> I know. I know. I just feel like it <laughs> should become clear. T- it There's a lot of people for whom I don't think it will become clear. I, I hope yeah. you're right. Yeah, I yeah, want yeah, it to yeah, fall yeah. that way, too. But I. Yeah. Well, and then there's this whole thing, yeah. thing with Biden. Who knows if he, the sexual harassment, sexual Anything misconduct else. stuff. I think it's it's very it just it this US election is just fascinating because it who what's going to happen what is going to happen It's so many months away Yeah but so much could happen What's like gonna it's hardly even 
worth speculating. Oh, with that, I will. Okay, we'll start another podcast <laughs> for that. Okay, back to science. I read a very fascinating paper this morning. Let's see where it's from. It's from the Guangzhou Center for Disease Control and Prevention. It has not been peer-reviewed yet, but it was making the rounds on Twitter this morning. Um, Because it was just a very... It was a lot of work they did. Mm -hmm. So they took 347 people that tested positive for COVID-19 and then they went about identifying all of those people's close contacts. So this is anyone they lived with, anyone they worked with, anyone they sat beside on an airplane, mm -hmm. anybody that they had like spent more than, you know, 15 minutes with or half an hour with in mm -hmm. the um, two weeks um, or however long since they'd been infected. So they identified almost 5,000 people that were considered close contacts of these original 350 cases. Mm -hmm. And they tracked all of those people, 5,000 people, to see who got it and who didn't. Yeah. And so what they found was really interesting. So first of all, only 129 of those 5,000 people acquired COVID-19, which I thought was a pretty low number. Yeah. And I tried to ask some experts on Twitter, like, why do we think that's so low? But nobody answered me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why that's so low, but that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And 70% of those 129 people um, contracted it from living with an infected person. Right. But still, the chances of the infected person passing it on to someone they live with is pretty low. Like, it's only um, 10 to 13% chance. Right. Which apparently lines up with some WHO estimates as well. Right. Because I think we imagined that if one of us got it, we would all get it. And I think that's how a lot of people feel. Like, yeah. if you get yeah. close to it, you're going to get it. Yeah. But that is just not the case at all. Yeah. Your risk of getting it increases with age. Mm -hmm. So it's harder for kids to get it. Mm -hmm. And it's easier for older people to get it. Mm -hmm. And they estimated, because remember, they tested every single person mm -hmm. at average of two and a half times. Mm -hmm. And about 40 to 50% of the cases they found were mild or asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's a higher estimate, too, than we get from um, just regular country testing where they tend to focus on symptomatic people. Right. And then, as you might expect, they also found that if you have more severe symptoms, you're more likely to transmit it to somebody else. Right. So if you do have a mild case, you're not very infectious. And if you have a case with like a cough, then you're you're very likely, I think four times more likely to pass it on if you have a cough. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's why healthcare, healthcare workers, healthcare workers are at so much risk for so many reasons, but mm -hmm. mostly just because of the 
sheer quantity of virus that they come into contact with every day because they are around so many patients with it and they're the sickest patients so they're the most infectious patients yeah and they're getting close to them and they're yeah but anyways the paper was very interesting and i think it just really underscores that although this virus is extremely infectious from a public health point of view mm-hmm. in that it will it's exponential growth and it will double and double and double and double yes. as an individual your risk of contracting it is still like pretty low like like i feel like the lengths people are going to like the fear people have when they go into like a grocery store or something for instance mm-hmm. or they pass somebody on a sidewalk mm-hmm. is probably not necessary it's mm-hmm. not that easy to get you can live somebody with somebody and not get it from them yeah yeah not that i'm saying we should not be cautious <laughs> because obviously there's so much riding on us squashing mm-hmm. this thing that yes we should be very cautious but i don't think we have to be fearful as individuals um every time we do something i was kind of thinking like it's like putting on your seatbelt in a car like mm-hmm. we always take that precaution because always something bad could happen when we're driving somewhere mm-hmm. um and people dying car accidents all the time and mm-hmm. that could happen to us anytime we get in a road but mm-hmm. but we buckle our seatbelt we t- we try and drive safely and we're not scared yeah i mean actually i'm pretty scared mm-hmm. <laughs> but i think most people <laughs> most people aren't scared it's a good point it's is it that we're so used to driving places and we just in yeah we've o- we com- sure. every day we overlook that risk right familiarity we, with the risk we should look up how many people get in car accidents and compare it to the rates of it's still it's i wonder would it be comparable mm, no probably not well this i mean this is like the analogy breaks down here because <laughs> this is this has exponential growth so our risk of of acquiring COVID-19 goes up and up and up as time passes. It's like as if yeah, no, every I time there's an accident on the 401, like it caused another accident, which caused two more accidents, which yeah. caused two more accidents. I understand that. But I mean, today when I, w- or the other day, if you go to the grocery store, how you feel mm-hmm. in that moment, is it comparable to driving where, you know, there's w- the risk of an accident or the risk of death? How close is that? We should, I'll figure it out. Yeah, we could look it up. I'll figure it over next time. My guess is that right now, Mm -hmm. as it stands, that you would have more chance of getting in a car accident than getting really sick from Mm COVID-19. That will change. But cases are still, even if we estimate the cases to be real case numbers, I think they're still... Mm-hmm. low enough but that's a guess we haven't done the math i guess that's our homework now yeah do the math on that mm-hmm. okay 
you were going to say something about vents. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to touch on the was what you learned. You mentioned. What did I learn? The, wasn't it the um, that if you go on a vent, right? Where uh, The question we had was, the question we were wondering is if you're on a vent, how many people that go on a vent, right? There's this trajectory. You're sick. You oh go into the yeah. hospital. You go into intensive care. Then you go on a vent. What uh, What is the likelihood of surviving going on a vent after you've gone on a vent? Mm-hmm. And our gut said it was low. And it feels... And I think you came no, across a reference. My gut didn't say it was low. Paper said it was low. Yeah. I thought I thought going on a vent would like be put people on a vent to give them a chance to recover yeah but there was a paper a while ago that said like 97 percent of people Mm -hmm. that go on a ventilator for COVID-19 end up passing away Mm -hmm. and I don't think we talked about it on the podcast because I was just reading this paper with no context no one was telling me what it said I was just reading it and I did not trust what I was reading yeah because that seemed like way too high of a number right but then I saw a physician repeat it today. And so you trusted and it. And so I, I trusted it then mm-hmm. when I saw it repeated. Because I'm like, maybe I'm just reading the table wrong and I don't understand mm-hmm. what it's saying. But apparently I did not read the table wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not. And so, I mean, that feeds into the whole ethics discussion we were having yesterday which yeah. is like why like if so they're talking now about like if you put somebody on a vent for a few days and they're not showing kind of the typical signs of turning around like yeah maybe you just take them off and get the give the vent to another person yes because the chances of them surviving is so low so these are the questions that are being asked right and discussed I just know I just found a number where it shows how many people are on vents out of the 60 about half of them are on vents right now. Out of what 60? The 60 people in the hospital in Ontario. Oh. About 32 are on vents in intensive care. Hmm. And in oh and in Toronto I think we have that number for Toronto too. Uh, oh no, it doesn't say here. Sorry. Hmm. Yeah. Too sad. It's all very sad. I think the only yeah, I think we should wrap it up on that sad note. Oh no. On that sad note. Well, we were going to say that tomorrow, yeah. Saturday night, I don't think we're going to record a podcast. We're going to take a night off, mm-hmm. catch up on some sleep, mm-hmm. um, and we'll try and get back to it Sunday night for your listening ears Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And for my light thought of the day, um, some extroverts out there were trying to brainstorm some ways to help them stay home Mm. and they thought maybe you could just change your appearance in a way (laughs) that makes you feel Mm. a bit uncomfortable to go outside Mm -hmm. so some ideas being perhaps shave your eyebrows off Mm. 
or get some kind of temporary but long-lasting facial tattoo mm-hmm. or shave your head if it's not already shaved or you know do something just something weird to your appearance just do, do something. something weird to your appearance that would make you feel not like yourself and like you don't want to go outside so except an extrovert would maybe find that <laughs> interesting <laughs> don't like for attention getting some people might do something crazy and want to show it off. Well, then that wouldn't work. That it's would the wrong it. thing to do. So do something that you'd be embarrassed of. All right. I think we're done. I think we're done. All right. Good night. Good night.